You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Well, it was fun for a game and a half, really, when the Charlotte Hornets looked like they could be on their way to 2-0, started off 1-0, and then the second half happened against Minnesota. And then, oh, th- this is what we were in store for all along. I get it now. It was this all a mirage. <laughs> this is Lockdown Hornets presented by the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. And you can find the show handle on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. That Timberwolves game that was played on Friday night, the Hornets lost it 121 to 99. Like I said, first half. But Charlotte starts off very well, 32 points in the first quarter. They've started all three games that they've played well at the beginning of the game. I saw Nick Denning tweet this out. Uh, I thought he made a good point. I agree with him that this is probably a team that people kind of shrug off and say, you know, this isn't going to be a team that I need to exude 100% max energy tonight. Oh, it's kind of close. Let's go ahead and pull away. The talented teams are going to be able to pull away in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. That's what the Timberwolves did on Friday. That's what the Lakers did on uh, Sunday night, yesterday. You saw Minnesota. How about a 45-point third quarter for you, Doug? How about that? You like those apples? I did not. Actually, I, actually I did not like those apples. Yeah. Uh, I was not yeah, a fan of those bad. apples. I'm not a fan of apples in general. We can get into that a little later if you'd like to. I think it's one of the bottom three fruits for me. But I'm not a big fan of really any apples, but especially those apples when the opposing team is scoring, rebounding at will. Yeah, Hornets putting up 32 points in the in the first quarter, 24 in the second, and then that's when the offensive explosion came from Minnesota in the third. They would lose by you know close to 30 points. It was a 30-point game. Then they were kind of able to bring it in within just 20. Um, you want to talk about the Minnesota game first, Doug, just real quickly? Maybe we can get past that because there has been a game played since look you look at the younger guys pj washington gets off to a hot start you know he had 27 points in that bulls debut he goes four of eight from the field does hit one three-pointer i think it was the first one that he took and then he missed all of the other ones that he took the rest of that game a double double for pj washington 10 rebounds 10 points Devonte graham was exceptional in this game eight of 15 six of nine from three-point range 24 points uh, i i thought Devonte graham was sir i thought Devonte graham played the best offensively in the first two games of the Charlotte Hornets season so far. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, the the game against the Lakers obviously had a nightmare shooting night, kind of came back down mm-hmm. to earth. But the, the way he creates offense for himself and others, and he's starting to attract a little bit of attention now. So now I think, you know, that, that Lakers game was a little bit of a learning experience for him. Now he has to kind of sit down, watch the film, settle into this next game, hopefully uh, tonight against the Clippers, where he might look to create for others a little bit more. I thought he forced things in that third quarter against the Lakers. But I want to go back to the issues that, that really cost them that game against Minnesota. And it was obviously rebounding. Like, they could not keep... Uh, Carl Anthony Towns off the offensive boards and that's you know it's going to be tough for the Hornets every night to keep uh, bigger players off the boards because they just don't have a ton of size on this team in general and playing Bismack Biombo is kind of out of the question unless they have to because he hurts the team and what they want to do offensively so much uh, but you have to have an element of physicality 
as a smaller team if you hope to uh, just lessen the blow that you're going to take on the offensive boards. And I didn't think they had that against Minnesota. I thought it improved against Los Angeles, but there were uh, several times when I thought Dwayne Bacon, Malik Monk, Terry Rozier just sort of olayed and stepped to the side as uh, as Carl Anthony Towns uh, screamed down the lane and uh, grabbed an offensive board and, and, and put it back in. I mean, those those kind of things, they have to shore that up. And especially, I think, Dwayne Bacon, because he actually has the size to disrupt someone uh, coming through the lane like that. I think Dwayne Bacon, of all the players, has to do a better job of helping this team team defensive rebound because that's what they, they have to do. And there was one other thing. I thought there was, you know, you can point to, I think, turnovers against Minnesota and Chicago as reasons why this team gave up 120 points. And and, um, that's fair. But also against Minnesota, I thought that there was a coverage issue in the third quarter, midway through the third when the game got out of hand. Rozier and Biombo kept switching the Teague Towns pick and roll, and it resulted in two easy Towns buckets and Rozier's fifth foul. He's been in foul trouble now two straight games. That coverage confused Del Curry, and it confused me as well. I don't know why you would switch that and put Rozier one-on-one with Towns. The double team didn't get there quick enough. It just it seemed like a, an unforced error by – if that was the coverage, it seemed like an unforced error by the coaching staff. I, I think Cody Zeller has been good. I, I think when you look at the way that he's played, you know, he, he's played, I, I think, very well. And we know how much they struggle when they try to go to any other big man that's not named Cody Zeller – but we know that he's he's not the greatest post defender. And I think Cody has been exposed in that area. I think when you saw Laurie Markinen take it in the paint, he was able to get some buckets pretty easily and Cody Zeller, you know, allowing those buckets to be scored rather easily. So they've gone up against some very talented big guys, right, that have the ability to put the ball on the floor. And the Hornets have really struggled with it. It was Laurie Markinen with Chicago, it was Carl Anthony Towns with Minnesota, and Anthony Davis. And all of them cooked. And Anthony Davis cooked last night. Now we're also are naming some of the highest draft picks, some of the best, some of the unicorn type players. They're going to get theirs against a lot of different teams. But I just think this team is a little bit more vulnerable against those type of players because I like Cody Zeller. I thought he played very well against the Lakers. It's just you look at him defensively, he allows some things to go uncontested inside. And I think you saw that at most with Laurie. I think you saw that a lot with Carl Anthony Towns as well. Well, I mean, you know, it's why Cliff it's why Clifford was trying to find a rim a traditional rim protector in years past when the Hornets were trying to contend to pair a law either in place of Cody Zeller or alongside Cody Zeller, because uh, to contend in this league, you have to have some semblance of rim protection and the Hornets are just not going to have that in the traditional sense this season and it's really going to take a team effort but I I thought these two losses you can call them blowouts I think Minnesota I would call more of a blowout than the Los Angeles game where it was clearly like the Hornets were fighting it was just clearly the the Lakers had too much size but I think it, it just displays that there are two ways that the Hornets are going to get beat by good teams this season Minnesota was bad mistakes. It was poor effort on the boards and poor physicality. And then against Los Angeles, they were just overwhelmed by talent size. They had some cold shooting from a few players. Uh, P.J. Washington starting to get more attention, so he's going to have to adjust. You know, those wide open threes are not so wide open anymore. And uh, I thought they, I thought both Graham and Bridges forced offense a little bit in the third quarter, and that led to their ultimate downfall in that game. And then LeBron just kind of turned up the heat and and put the put the foot on the throat. 
No, I, I completely agree. And and you see what the Hornets are going to go up against against the Clippers. Doesn't get any easier. This is the thing we knew was going to happen at the beginning of the season. So hopefully the Charlotte Hornets can contend and obviously get a lot of the players that are the uh, the younger guys continue to grow and develop as the season goes on. And Ochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. At checkout, again, that's Indochino.com. I want to talk more about Dwayne Bacon, also Malik Monk. Doug's got some thoughts on him here next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to be back. Great to be back on the show. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks again for joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. I got a voicemail that we want to get to. Doug, the producer that he is, decided to create a new segment. Just voicemails, nothing special about the name or anything. We're just going to keep it very basic, just voicemails. You can call in, and you do this through Patreon, correct, Doug? If you subscribe to Patreon, then that's the way that you can leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show, and then we'll address any of the questions that you have. That's right. It's open to all of our Patreon members, patreon.com forward slash LOH, adding some new benefits this year for the Patreon page. Also, you can catch our podcast, a new one that we have with Doug Branson and David Walker. It's Let the Boys Watch. I'll get it right this time for you, Doug. Let the Boys Watch. Again, Doug Branson and David Walker. You can subscribe to that on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash LOH. I want to get to Dwayne Bacon. You mentioned him, uh, Doug. It's someone that needs to rebound a little bit better. Dwayne Bacon, to me, I- I'm disappointed in the way that he's played, and I th- felt like I-, I saw this coming from preseason. I don't think he's changed the way that he's played from preseason, which there's not a whole lot of people that would. He's been Just, unleashed. You know, yeah, right. Like 8 of 21 against the Chicago Bulls, 4 of 11 against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 6 of 15 from the Lakers. He was a, a poor shooter. From inside the, I mean, he's he's shooting close shots too. I mean, they're not just three pointers. He took five against the Lakers. He was one of five. He took just one against the Timberwolves, and he was zero for one. Didn't make it. And then he took he took eight against Chicago. So he did he did take quite a bit of three point shots. It's just someone that needs to be able to finish better. Certainly at the basket, he's got a one track mind. It's a little bit of tunnel vision from Dwayne Bacon. I remember Nada using that term in his rookie season and at the beginning of his second season. It's someone that wants to attack the basket at all costs. I'm going to shoot it, and if I don't want to shoot it right when I get the ball, I'm going to dribble around a little bit. I'm going to try to attack the basket as much as I can, and I'm going to hoist up a shot. It reminds me of Kimball Walker at the end of games looking for a foul and not getting it, and the ref swallowing their whistle. It's Dwayne Bacon, but on every single play, Dwayne Bacon loves to attack the rim, and if you're going to do that, that's fine. I'm glad that you get to the free throw line, but he was four of six against Chicago. You look at his free throw attempts against Timberwolves, against the Timberwolves. He was 0 for three from the line. And then against the Lakers, he only went once and he was two for two. If you're going to do that, fine, but be a damn good free throw shooter. He's just, he's hurting the team offensively more than he's helping, Doug. He was great at that little stretch at the end in the fourth quarter against Chicago. He was very clutch. Dwayne Bacon is is hurting this team offensively. As much as I want to like him, I love watching him play basketball. He loves basketball more than anything. Uh, that that needs to correct itself. But you texted me, he must be stopped, and I feel like that's 
the great term. I feel like it's a great term. Well, it's interesting, right? Because Dwayne Bacon's offense has been bad. And I, I, I can give you I can give you numbers to, to sort of illustrate that. He's he's averaging nearly 16 shots per game. He's shooting 38% from the field, 21% from three on 4.7 shots. So he's shooting nearly two times as many twos as he is ones. He's not getting to the free throw line very much. His points per shot attempt, according to Cleaning the Glass, is at 86.5. You compare that with Bridges, who's at 129, Graham, who's at 128, and Terry Rozier, who I don't think is someone you would associate with great offense so far for the Charlotte Hornets, is sitting at 115. Uh, Malik Monk, the only rotation player right now who has a worse points per shot attempt. So Bacon's offense has been bad, but the Charlotte Hornets offense as a whole hasn't really been that awful Uh, except for, I think, last night against Los Angeles when they got bogged down with that 18-point third quarter. Uh, But that, to me, signals that, like, this offense is supersonic right now. I mean, they're attacking off every defensive rebound. They're getting a lot of easy points in transition. And then you've had great shooting performances from other players on this team, P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham, where you didn't expect it. Like, imagine how bad Bacon's offense would look if P.J. Washington did not come out screaming if Devontae Graham wasn't hitting deep three-point shots. We, I think there would be a, an even bigger magnifying glass on what Dwayne Bacon has not been able to do offensively for this team. He's playing a Harden-esque game, but he's not getting to the free throw line. He's not finishing around the rim, and he's not shooting the basketball like he did at the end of last season. So all around, got to have some improvement from Dwayne Bacon or reduce the usage and find some other players to, to shoot the ball. Malik Monk has also been pretty poor offensively the last two games. I thought he actually played pretty well against Chicago. And then he comes in and allows Chris Dunn immediately to get an and one on defense. But I do I do think he actually played pretty well in the 17 minutes he played against Chicago. Not so much against the Minnesota Timberwolves. You look at Malik Monk, he did play 20 minutes in this game. Only got three shot ups, uh, three shots up, 0 for 2 from beyond the arc. And then he had three assists. Uh, showing that he's and maybe his passing ability is the most useful part of his game right now for the Charlotte Hornets. And then against the Lakers, 14 minutes, just one assist, zero points again, uh, zero of four from the field, 0 of two from beyond the arc. Malik Monk has been bad offensively the last couple of games, just being inefficient, not getting a lot of shots up, but also not hitting them when he takes them. Yeah, I'm not sure what Malik Monk's purpose on the floor is at this point. Like he's missing three-point shots very badly, I don't I don't love his shot selection. His minutes are dwindling. His usage is dwindling. The ball's not finding him very much. Uh, he is he he has one or two passes per game where he gets involved with a pick and roll with Zeller and and finds him with that whip around pass. So you do have that. Uh, but I'm not sure that that's actually no, i'm I'm not gonna hedge there. I'm sure that that's not enough to offset the the poor defense the poor physicality the poor effort on on that end of the floor I just don't like I don't get what the Hornets are getting by playing Malik Monk over a Caleb Martin or a Cody Martin where it's probably going to be the same output but you're going to get a little bit more effort on the other end yeah I mean the the effort might be the case there have been some times where I've the the not getting back even in Chicago there was a couple times where I thought he should have gotten back a little bit quicker I actually thought his rotations were okay against the Lakers. I mean, when the first, now I only watched the first two quarters, I did miss the last two quarters, got a 4.30 a.m. wake-up call, so I had to get some sleep, but I did watch the first two quarters. I thought the rotations were fine when he was in the game then. 
I did see the bad shots. They were awful. That first three-pointer that it took, that was Brick City. That was going right to the, that was to the right of the rim. I don't even know if it drew iron. It was just straight-up backboard and bounced down. Doug, I, I think what they should start doing with Malik is I, I think he's still playable. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't sit him for either of the Martin twins. But what I'm doing for Malik Monk is if, if he's going to prove that he's an effective ball handler and an effective distributor, then why are we going away from that? You know, like, I understand that Avante Graham and Terry Rozier are your point guards. I'm fine with experimenting with Malik Monk being in control. Because when we saw him in the preseason, that was his best game, when he was able to kind of control the offense, and it would it helped the Charlotte Hornets. Give him the basketball. I mean, look, I understand that this is someone, you, you mentioned it just then, he's not a whole lot involved in the offense. He's not getting shots up. But when Malik Monk has the basketball in his hands, I think he's shown that he can help this offense and create some easy looks for guys. Malik had that one nice pass to Cody Zeller with the Lakers. That was about it. I just don't want. I just under. I don't understand why we're kind of going away from that. If if Dwayne Bacon is a guy like, look, Dwayne Bacon is actively hurting the team offensively, right? Like you're right about Malik Monk. He's kind of got that Nick Batum thing going. Where what are you doing right now? But Dwayne Bacon, he's actively hurting. Now, if he hits those shots and you don't go away from him, it doesn't mean that Dwayne's not going to be a good player. But Malik Monk, if you give him the basketball, I think he's shown that he's actually made some good decisions. I've had a huge shot with a, sh- uh, a problem with the shot selection because he's not taken enough for it to be almost considered bad shot selection. No, I, to- I mean, I totally agree with your points about Dwayne Bacon, and but I also don't I don't see Malik Monk being, <laughs> being a replacement option. Uh, I don't know. I think they're going to stick with Dwayne Bacon and hope, hopefully he finds his three-point shot well, as well. Yeah. But I, I just, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem like, like I said, the minutes are starting to dwindle now when they should mm-hmm. be going up with, with Nick Batum out. I just, and it doesn't seem to be a big factor in the offense right now. Uh, I, I just don't know what, what the plan is there. No, I don't either. I, I, I don't know either. And I don't know if I'm, that's not what I'm saying really about Malik taking the time from Dwayne, right? Like I'm, I don't want Malik Monk in the game more than Dwayne Bacon. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when we talk like Malik Monk, you know, dude's heavily criticized and he deserves it. I completely agree. There's, there's a lot of things that he deserves. I'm just questioning, I guess this is more of a Borrego question. Why, why can't we have some of the offense run through Malik when Malik has shown the best part about his game right now is passing, distributing. I think he made some good decisions with the basketball in his hands. You know, he did have a couple turnovers against Minnesota, but a couple in 20 minutes, it's not the worst in the world. He did have three assists in the times that he actually had the basketball in his hands. I would like to see it a little bit more. All right, let's get to a new segment. We've got voicemails. This is Mike from Hickory calling in with our first voicemail ever. Nice debut for Mike. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Hey, so this is Mike from Hickory, and it, I was up really late watching that game last night, and the thing I took away from it is the fact that if this team loses Cody Zeller, I don't know that they can win a game. So uh not really sure how to fix that, and I'm not sure that it's even a question other than is there any way that they could possibly get someone else to go along with Cody so that there's not such a drastic fall off when he's not in the game. So thanks again for doing this. And uh, next time I call, I'll probably have a little bit more energy since I won't be up so late watching the game. Bye. I mean, Mike, Mike is in the same boat that a lot of people are during these West coast road trips, like just trying to find a little bit of energy 
having to stay up so late to watch these games. I'm lucky now because I'm an hour behind here in Nashville, so they end a little earlier for me. But still, woof. How glorious is it, Doug? How glorious is it, though, to at least save that one hour? It's nice, but when they do the 7 o'clock tip, I really kind of have to get home and get ready to watch the Mm -hmm. game. Like I can't can't really mill around because 6 o'clock rolls around and it's time for basketball. So uh, that can be that can be a little tough. Uh, More beneficial for football rather than the NBA. And by the way, Crib, I'm from Claremont, North Carolina. So Hickory, close to it. Crib, Mike. Hickory. See, I'm always interested, people that are from the area, how much of the O goes into Hickory? Because that's really the the lynch point. Like, is it Hickory? Is it Hickory? Like, those to me are the two poles there. Do you go Hickory? How much of the O sneaks into the to the Hickory? Yeah, well, John Reap ruined it when he was on Last Comic Standing. He's the one that went with the two-syllable word Hickory. rather than three, him being from Hickory. And now everybody, that, that's the biggest claim to fame that I think that has been in the mainstream so far. It's been John Reap, man. He was on the Hemi commercials, then he goes on Last Comic Standing. He calls it Hickory, and that's about it. Just the two syllables there. Let's get to Mike's question, Doug. Yeah, it, it's been awful. This is nothing new, right? Cody Zeller has been he's been everything at the five position for the Charlotte Hornets. Billy Hernan Gomez is absolutely awful on defense. He's a really good rebounder. He's got some nice post-ups every now and again, but he is maybe a worse defender than what Enos Cantor is. I've called him Enos Cantor light. That's what you get when you try to go to him. And we know about the offensive liability that Bismack is. He certainly doesn't make up for it on the defensive side. I don't know if there's anything to do trading wise. Like it's not like anybody is going to trade a promising young big man that may be able to help you. If Cody Zeller's hurt, that's what Billy was brought in to do, and it just hasn't worked out that way. I think this is just the kind of bed that has been made for us here in Charlotte, and we're going to have to lay down. Oh, man, I like that. I like you working the bed analogy in there when Mike was, was sleepy when he did that when he did that voicemail. I really, I really like that. That was, that was pro level from you. I think you want a bed right now. You feel you're, you're not feeling a hundred percent, right? You're not, you're not feeling. (laughs) So you probably, you said that I was almost Freudian. You would like to get into a bed and go to sleep right now. Let me give you some numbers. Like right now, right right at this instant. Uh, I want to give you some numbers here. Cody Zeller, according to cleaning the glass plus 33.6 differential points wise when he's on the floor. This is a point scored per 100 possessions. He's plus 33.6 or the team rather is plus 33.6 and expected wins plus 49. That's, I mean, small sample size, but those are huge numbers uh, to illustrate uh, how much of an impact Zeller's making. And he's been such a big part of the offense, uh, which is that's that's not normal, but he is a veteran on this team. He is a steady force on this team. He knows how to run an offense. He knows how to run offense. Um, so he has been uh, excellent, uh, both in his uh, decision making, his passing, um, and he occasionally knocks down a three point shot, which is more than you could say for uh, some of the wings on this team this season. Um, uh, but Cody Zeller, what can they do? I'm interested later on in the season because if Cody Zeller goes down with an injury, the danger is that you do have to play Biz and you do have to play Billy and then the whole thing falls apart and then the basketball is so bad and you can't execute offense in the half court at all and you're not getting that player development because the basketball is so bad. You actually want Cody Zeller in there because he's not really great enough to help you win a bunch of games. Uh, but he will help execute the offense and the defense in a way that can help to develop some of the young players and allow them to play decent basketball, right? So what can they do? I think you kind of 
Go out in the trade market and see if you can bring back maybe a bad contract, uh, you, you know, in, in exchange, maybe a longer term deal. Like I'm thinking Gorgie Jing, who has like 16 million left, I think next year. So you bring, if you can find the money to make that work, you can bring somebody back because you're not going to be good next year. You're not going to go out into free agency and find someone next year. So why not take back a contract, maybe pick up a pick or two from a Minnesota or maybe JaVale McGee. I mean, the Lakers look like, I mean, the, the, the buzz right now in LA is that they like Dwight Howard, who kind of had a revenge game against the Hornets, 16 points, I believe uh, 10, 10 or so rebounds. Uh, he was very effective against the Hornets. So if they want to elevate Dwight, they may be looking to dish JaVale. That's like a $4 million contract next year. So that could be an easy swap with one of the young players that the Hornets are not going to buy into long term. So I think there are options for the Hornets. They may have to wait a little bit and hope that Cody Zeller stays long enough for that to happen. Yeah, and they also do have some money freeing up. So you wonder if they just try to get through it this season because it doesn't really matter if you're winning games and then maybe sign someone to a deal that is more worth their play. It doesn't matter that you're winning games or not, but I do believe that it matters. Maybe they just wait and see. You're right. If, if Cody Zeller stays healthy, then this isn't really an issue. But if he does go down with an injury, then I think they would try to explore something other than Biz and, and Hernan Gomez because it does matter that – your young players can can have some chance at winning against middling teams because mm. they're not going to no, beat I the good teams, that. but the middling teams at least. All right. I was bad at organization. I should have gone to a third segment. I'm going to try to do that now. Thanks again for joining us on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But when he showed in summer league, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, excuse <laughs> a radar. Me, of all NBA, yeah, on the radar, on the radar of <laughs> all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from, I'm from uh, Catawba County. Get so, him on the radar. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. As I mentioned before, it doesn't get any easier for the Hornets. They've got the Clippers tonight. It is in Los Angeles, continuing this little road trip that they have to, the, uh, to begin the season. Tip is set for 1030. This is going to be a Doug podcast tomorrow, breaking this game down. I don't know if I'm going to be able to catch really any of this game. What's probably going to happen is I'm going to catch maybe the first quarter, fall asleep sometime after 11, miss the three quarters, watch some highlights, look at the box score to talk about it on the wake-up call. And then Doug's going to have to carry us tomorrow. So get some sleep, Doug, because you got a big game tomorrow. Um, uh, you should the- take some NyQuil right before the game and just see how long you can stay coherent. And really, I mean, really give some effort. And by the second quarter, I just want you to tweet the whole time. And by the second quarter, I think we're going to get some really funny stuff. That's a good segment. Walker tweets on NyQuil. Oh, man, that's that's excellent. Twyquils. Let's get that sponsored. <laughs> I want to get that sponsored right now. That'd be great. Um, Clippers lost to the Phoenix Suns, Doug. If we're going to look at surprising teams so far, I was looking at this earlier. The Phoenix Suns, they beat the Sacramento Kings. They destroyed them, beat them by 30. DeAndre Ayton gets suspended for taking a banned diuretic, which is typically used as a masking agent. And then they lose to the Denver Nuggets, but it's only by one point, and it's on the road. It's in Denver they lose by a point. And then they beat the Los Angeles Clippers. The Phoenix Suns are 2-1. and one on the season right now without their number one overall draft pick, which, by the way, the Sports Illustrated is DeAndre Ayton a bust. Like, that, why? Like, that's dumb. DeAndre's really good, and he showed that he played his best defensive game that everybody has seen 
in the first game of this year. Anyways, Phoenix beat the Los Angeles Clippers. I can't imagine that spells anything good for them in this game going against the Hornets. I've just been I've been saying, you know, don't sleep on Devin Booker. Yeah. The guy's good. You've and been he's out focused this year and he's got some veterans around him finally and he's just he's getting the right mindset. Devin Booker, add him to your fantasy team if you can. Trade for him. Um, yeah, Phoenix Suns, they did it by attacking the basket and the Clippers, if they have one weakness right now, they, they're, they're the number one team in the NBA, even though they lost to the Suns, they're the most talented. They're the most together early in the season, they're the deepest. even without, without Paul George, they're, they're still, they're the most deep team in the NBA this season. Um, the perimeter defense, amazing for them, but they don't have traditional interior defense, a lot like the Charlotte Hornets. And so they can be attacked inside, and that's what Phoenix managed to do. They got out on the run, and they attacked them early, and uh, L.A. fell asleep. So that's not good for the Charlotte Hornets, right? Because they're going to adjust, and uh, you know Charlotte's going to try to do the same thing. And we're going to see if uh, L.A. can kind of rebound, and, and I have a feeling they will. And that was in Phoenix. Now they're back home. So it's, it's, it's going to be a tough game for the Hornets. Uh, but you you just want to see the same thing you saw against the Lakers, right? You want to see them fight hard, uh, uh, play the whole game, and then um, eventually succumb to the talent of Kawhi Leonard in the fourth quarter. They have Sacramento on Wednesday. They play Golden State on Saturday, and then they're back home playing against Indiana. Boston, uh, Golden and State, all of a sudden winnable. All of yeah. a sudden winnable. <laughs> Sacramento's 0-3 to start the season. Uh, they have drastically underperformed. Uh, their expectations. So the back half of this West Coast road trip that looked monster, all of a sudden, you know, I, I think, look, if the Hornets got blown out tonight in Los Angeles against the Clippers, it, it, like a traditional blowout where you just, you don't have it, I'm kind of okay with it because, you know, I, I would rather them save up a little energy going into this game against Sacramento and Golden State before coming back home. Yeah, I don't hate that. And when you look at the trip being this early, this is something I talked about when the schedule was released. I like it being at the beginning of the season because the Hornets, we all know that this is a team that needs to get better individually and the individuals, the young guys need to work together better, figure out how they can play alongside each other as the season goes on. Imagine going up, let's say that they do improve and then they get to this stretch at the end of the season. Let's say the schedule is reversed where you have the Clippers, you have the Lakers, you have some really tough teams you're going up against. And that's at the end of the season. And then you could have really gotten better, but everybody's going to hammer you and criticize you because you're going to have lost those games and maybe you're going up against good teams. I like that this is getting out of the way quickly and you have a little bit softer schedule to end the season when you're playing teams like Miami, who's good, but you get the point. Washington certainly isn't good. I, I just like the way that the schedule pans out a little bit more than maybe some people realize opening up with such a tough stretch. Real quick before we go, some things to watch for. Miles Bridges has played a lot better than he did in preseason in that first game against Chicago. So, so look for him to continue to take up more usage, to get more involved in the offense, and, and to create more for himself. He's shooting the basketball a lot better. Want to continue to see that from Miles. And then I think this is a great opportunity for Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham to attack the paint. If Patrick Beverly is going to play them overly aggressive on the perimeter, I want to see both those guys hitting the paint. For Terry Rozier, I want to see him finish. 
And for Dwayne Bacon, I want to see him finish too. Yeah, but for Devontae say. Graham, I want to see him create for others in this game. No, no one for 13 tonight, Devontae. Create for others. All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Doug carries the show. Mm-hmm.